you have to understand the asset class. You have to understand how to make money. And it's not big and scary. Like it's easy to learn. You just have to understand it or partner with people that are experts in it. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome today. How about you, Todd? Doing fantastic. I'm kind of healing up here. I got a I was on a bike ride this morning and a bee like got stuck in my helmet and stung me right in the head. It oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but we're good. We're good. My head hasn't like swollen up like a balloon yet. Okay. So, so you're not, you're not allergic so, at least. I don't know. I thought I was getting allergic because the last several bees that have stung me, uh, my whatever that I got stung in the foot or like ankle and it swelled up like a balloon. I got stung in the hand and my hand was like double the size. Mm-hmm. I looked like I had, you know, these big massive or this big massive hand. Um, but now I got stung in the forehead and so far my forehead appears, at least I think it's a uh, normal size. So, you know, we're good. I was, I was hoping I wouldn't have this big, huge, you know, forehead today. <laughs> yeah, your, your head doesn't look any bigger than normal, so. No, no, no it's always a big head. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that's just life, whatever. But, uh, you know, we're, we're moving along here. We're, we're pushing uh, for deals. We are back trying to, I shouldn't say back, and not like I ever left it, but we just didn't, you know, when COVID hit, uh, really just deals disappeared, quite frankly. And there was a lot of uncertainty. So I didn't really push hard to underwrite even the few deals that were around. I wasn't like pushing for deals. I was talking a lot with brokers and wanted to kind of keep a pulse on what they were seeing and other investors and what they were seeing. Uh, but now I'm, you know, back at it, trying to find deals. And here's the thing, the market may shift, right? Uh, the, the funny money disappears at the end of uh, this month, just in a few weeks. Uh, really, actually, I think this is the last week of funny money because of how the month ends. So that technically is going to disappear. Even if, even if there's a, a bill that's passed, let's just say, um, well, this recording is coming out probably well after it, but let's just say a bill is passed immediately. That money is not going to get into people's pockets before that runs out. So it's going to run out for a time period. We'll see what happens. We're going to probably get a kind of a taste of what the market reaction uh, in real estate and uh, see where it goes. You know, It'll be interesting to, as well. So that's multifamily. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with commercial real estate too. The PPP is, you know, still still going. But either way, um, we're looking at deals that we think are, you know, recession resistant and that we can make it through. We're underwriting with strong reserves, hoping that we don't have to tap into them. But if we do, we, we tap into them and we're still moving forward it's just a little different, right? We're not underwriting quite as aggressively and we never were underwriting aggressively. So that's the good thing, but we're not underwriting quite as aggressively for rent increases. We're showing flat 
I used to be just showing 2% for the first couple of years. Now I'm showing zero, um, you know, and a couple other little changes, but with that, you know, we're excited to, to hopefully get something under contract before the end of the year. That's great. And you have a couple of offers in, I think, uh, recently. Oh, yeah. Are, are yep. you noticing that uh, there's still a, a standoff between sellers and buyers regarding the price? Uh, I mean, certainly sellers aren't excited to sell for way less. I think the prices have came down a little bit, but not a lot. I think the terms have uh, loosened up a little bit. Um, I think that's probably your biggest thing is the terms before the sellers were like expecting the world, right? They're expecting to put big earnest money down. They're expecting basically hard, you know, earnest money basically day one or as soon as I mean, very quickly. And now, you know, we're seeing sellers that are even entertaining, uh, long, very long due diligence, uh, contingencies and even financing contingencies um so so i think with the right buyer they're willing to do that they know that obviously there's a lot of risk in the market uncertainty and you know we don't know so, right. so we'll see where where it all loosens up and where it goes but i think if you find a song a strong solid asset well located uh, it's worth pulling the trigger on that's fair enough and I guess it depends what type of uh, asset you're looking at too. Like you mentioned, different uh, types of commercial properties are going to be performing differently in the near future. Uh, you know, re retail, for example, I think is going to is it's hit hard, and it's probably going to continue to be hit hit hard. Yeah. Right. So I mean, you know, if we we're, we look at different asset classes, right? We're I'm a multifamily investor uh, first and foremost. I like other asset classes, so. I'm not going to, I don't, I, I can't bash other asset classes, but at the same time, I can tell you what I'm seeing and what I feel um, with these other asset classes. I don't mind investing in retail and office and some of the other industrial and some of the other asset classes. You just have to understand them, right? You have to really look at what's going on in the markets and understand that and then take that into account when you're buying. So and and really we want to look too at well, what's the better investment and there's a couple things to think of when we look at okay what's the better investment i'm a multifamily person and maybe you're not a multifamily person but what's the best investment and and there's several things to look at first of all we all say well what's the cap rate right to me, that actually plays a small factor into it, right? So multifamily actually has fairly low cap rates. Well, why does it have low cap rates? Because it's low risk, right? Cap rates correlate to risk. So when we go, oh, we can get this retail building for an eight and a half cap, but we can buy this multifamily for a six cap, well, which one's better? Well, it, without any other thought, into it, it, it appears that the retail is a better deal at the eight and a half cap, right? It's, it's, you're going to make more money. It's just how it is. Well, but you've got more risk, right? You've got more exposure. So that's what we really have to look at. And then we also have to look at, well, what's going to, what's each going to sell for years down the road? If your multifamily is going to sell for a five and a half cap in five years, where your retail is going to sell for a nine and a half cap in five years, well, now all of a sudden, even taking in your cash flow, multifamily is strong. 
uh, potentially even stronger. So there are a lot of, a lot of factors to look into when we're, we're looking at different asset classes and, and which one's stronger than the other. The other thing too, is what's your, what are you good at? Like, what do you know? What do you understand? Like, where's your expertise? Is your expertise in office? Is it in retail? Is it in multifamily? Is it in self-storage? You've got to do what you're good at. You've got to do what you learned and you know. And just because uh, a retail building is an eight, eight and a half or even a 10 cap doesn't mean you should go buy it if you know nothing about retail. Look, I had a, an office building under contract right before COVID hit or right as COVID hit. And we ended up backing out of the deal because of uh, the income going drastically down. I wasn't necessarily an expert in office. I know enough about it, but I was teaming up with two experts that were going to be partners of mine. Um, and that's really important if you're like trying to do something like that, where we're crossing different uh, asset classes. Um, and, I, and ultimately I think it was a good decision to back out of that deal because of the, the income, the drop in income, and then because of the paradigm shift that's happening as well. Uh, I think in the office space um, is definitely not playing favors to anybody who's got existing office. Uh, I, I think they're going to be in for some rough roads ahead. Yeah. There's going to be more people working from home and, uh, and with today's technology, it's easier and easier to do. Yeah. I mean, so let's, let's talk about that. The, the trends, we got to look at the trends, right? So, so if we look at the trends, I mean, retail, uh, certainly, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty out there, right? Uh, there's a lot of online companies, Amazon, and most people have heard of that company, but there's a lot of other online retailers as well. Retail is becoming more and more acceptable online. And it's, it's funny because a lot of us go, oh yeah, you'd expect like 50% of the business is done online. What does that mean? In my opinion, that means that it's actually got a big runway. So the, the disruption that we've had in retail, I feel the disruption that we've had is actually really small. It's just like we're at the, the very start of this disruption. I think it's going to be even more. Um, I think it's something like 15% of all sales are done online and the rest are done actually in stores, something like that. And I might be wrong on the, on the exact number, but it's really small. And so what is that going to transition to? What if it is even like 25 or 30% is done online? Well, that's all of a sudden, that's a ton of money that floods out of the retail stores, right? And goes on to the online stores. And that really changes that retail space. So how do we repurpose that space? Is it a good investment to get yourself into. I think those are the things you've got to look at. Like what kind of space am I buying and how easily repurposed is it? You know, what, what do we need, Matt, if we've got, we got the same amount of greater goods being sold, right? People aren't just going to stop spending. It's just not going to happen. So people are still going to spend money, which means people, we still have to have stuff, Right. And so that stuff has to float around somewhere. Well, if you can easily transition your retail space into 
warehouse type space, well then your retail investment might work out well. But retail or warehouse rents are much less per square foot than retail rents. So we gotta look at that as well. You know, what are we actually getting per square foot? So maybe we can repurpose it, but does it make sense? Are we buying it at a low enough basis? And that's what we really got to look at in, in retail. So as technology continues, as distribution continues to get better, I just think it's going to be more and more commonplace to have online business and less storefront business. Yeah, and I, I know that there are those mixed uh, units where it's retail on the front and then uh, warehouse in the back. Yep. Building supply places sometimes have that. The mullet of real estate. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, and uh, you know, you've got mixed use too, where you got apartments above. I think those are great investments, personally. I think those are fantastic investments. Um, you've got, you've got multi-purpose buildings. I, those to me are, are great investments. The, the interesting part when we look around the world, the U.S. and the U.S. is a little bit different, right? When if you've ever traveled to Europe, uh, and I have a, a couple times, most of the cities, at least the cities I've been to, it's you know five million people or whatever it is, and they're they're packed in a fairly tight space, you know. So they don't have the city and suburbs and then suburbs and then suburbs and then suburbs, right? Where we look at the Twin Cities, there's like the Minneapolis-St. Paul, and then there's three and maybe even four rings of suburbs that we spread out. So we've got this urban sprawl that's forever, where like in Europe, it's got, you've got, you know, a city, Frankfurt or whatever, and, and there's, you know, five million people within that area, and they have suburbs, but it's not as spread out. And then you've got farm country, and then you've got another city, right? So they're more like clustered. So they can have more transit. And what I'm getting at is they don't have nearly the retail space that we have. They have a fraction of what we have here in the US. We have so much retail space. There's just way too much. And as we go more and more online, I think that space is going to get hurt really, really bad. So if I was a retail investor, first of all, I would be trying to sell now uh, if I already have real retail. Uh, if I didn't have retail, I would be carefully watching that market. I would be looking at that market. I would be potentially buying in that market if I could buy for a low enough price to where I can convert it to warehouse and still make money. And if it's well located, of course. I would be only looking at retail if it's in a very, very well located area. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't want any B, even probably B class retail, maybe, but it, you know, I'd want to make sure it's super well located. That's fair. Yeah. It, it, office is pretty similar. Um, I, you know, we're seeing it's obviously a little bit different, but people are staying at home. Um, Matt, how, do you know anybody that it has been working from home? Uh, yeah, my wife. You know, and so a lot of people are working from home. We're at a, a, a lake party this weekend and with some, some friends that got together and all of them 
were working from home. Uh, only a few of them, there's several that haven't even been in the office. You know, uh, I was talking to one person and she said, I don't know if I'll ever go back to the office, like ever, not even for like a day type of thing. Like he's like, I don't know if I'll ever go back. I have no need to go back. And I don't see myself ever going back. They're looking for places actually out in the country, like farm country, um, because they don't, they don't think they'll ever have to go into an office again. And if they do, it'll be like once type of thing. We, uh, several other friends don't think they'll be ever back in the office either other than like once a month type of thing. And, and so it changes the need for office space, right? It changes the need for companies to have these huge campuses uh, changes the need for companies to have office in general. Now, there's still going to be need for office, right? It can't just go away, but it changes the need for as much office space. It'll be interesting how this goes, right? Because this is kind of an experiment. And so it doesn't work. Are people as efficient as home, at home? Are they not? Are companies going to be like, look, this didn't work out where we want you back in the office. We're pulling everybody back to the office. We don't quite know where this is going, but it feels like it's going more virtual, less in the office. That's what it feels like. Does it mean it'll happen? I don't know. I think it's still too early to tell. It's going to happen in the short term. Is it going to be a long-term trend? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Even after this pandemic is over, you know, people are realizing now, like, it's just more convenient and comfortable to work from home a lot of the time. And uh, so people want that to continue. But employees maybe want that to continue. Yeah. But are companies going to find that it actually is not as good to have them at home or not? Because think about it. You just said it's more comfortable. Okay, so I get up. What time do I actually get up? I log into my computer. Okay, well, am I productive the whole time? You know, there was a, uh, I think it was a, either a podcast or something I was listening to anyways, where uh, this guy was talking about how his company, um, oh yeah, th it, was a, it was a coach. He was coaching this, this uh, person, this client of his that had a construction company or a development company. And he would have all these sales people that would sit at these houses and they were supposed to sit there like all day at these open, open uh, houses on, the, on their, their uh, spec homes. And they didn't monitor because he just trusted them, right? They're going to work. They, they, they're supposed to be there and you know, they get commissions when they sell. So of course they're going to be hardworking. Well, the coach said, look, I want you to install cameras. I want you to, um, Maybe it was, you know, I, I don't remember, have them somehow log in through this tracking system and, and, you know, do some of these other, implement some of these other things. And it found out that these employees were like going for a, a run for two hours in the middle of the day or, you know, running, they would leave at three o'clock to run their kids around and then come back for like a half an hour and like different things like that. They would, you know, watch movies and, you know, whatever. He was finding that out. So are employees going to 
find out our employers going to find out that their employees are doing bad are creating bad habits at home and being way less productive therefore saying look everybody just needs to come back to the office we're no longer having virtual employees we'll see i don't know yeah how do you how do you manage your employees if they're all at home yeah that's fair it depends on what sort of uh, oversight systems you have in place and you have to sort of update uh, how you do things. It's certainly easier to oversee your employees when they're all right there in the office. Yep. So by the way, so here, business idea for anybody who's listening to that, that wants to start a business and it's tech savvy, figure out good ways for employers to be able to track their at home employees, an efficient, effective system that can integrate and work for, you know, all their at home employees, or maybe there's already something like that but man i i can't imagine there's not room for more yeah i i agree that's a really good idea let's start that business man you want to start with me <laughs> well i i don't know much about uh, all that i don't stuff, know <laughs> we can we can hire that out though so so anyway so office retail i think are very interesting uh to watch i would be watching them right now and i am uh to see kind of what happens and what you can get into i think they're going to be interesting act, asset classes um, coming down the pipeline, but you know, to, to me, it's too early to, to jump in unless you can find something for really cheap. Um, and then, you know, warehouse is super strong. We already talked about warehouse. I, I just, I, I, there's going to be so much need for warehouse, well-located, well-placed, good, good, you know, near highway systems, near, uh, rail systems, near, you know, tr anything transit, uh, well-located, the warehouse is going to be super strong. And I think you're going to have more like smaller drop places um, to be able to move this stuff around. So uh, you, I, in my opinion, hard to go wrong with warehouse. Um, you know, and then, and then you've got self-storage is an interesting one because I think self-storage is great if you can transition it into warehouse uh, really easily if it's really well located, but I think self storage is kind of risky too because it's being overbuilt. And I feel like, and I mentioned this before, I feel like the baby boomer generation is the generation of needing a lot of stuff. Like they just, that's what they have. They have a lot of stuff, antiques, they have the grandfather clocks, they have all this stuff. And me, like, I don't, we don't want any of that stuff right and it's not that it's bad like we i think my generation the millennial generation the, the younger generations we're just attracted by to different things we're not attracted to stuff we want to travel we want to experience experience things right i think that's the difference between the generations well if i'm going to travel and i'm going to experience do a lot of experiences that means i just don't need all that stuff like that stuff is clutter and actually takes away my dollars and cents to be able to use for the experiences. Right. So I think that's a big difference. And I think as this baby boomer generation starts to sell their stuff, like kids are like, mom and dad, I don't want any of this crap. Like, I don't need any of it. Sorry. Um, but I'll take, you know, this to remember you by, but I don't want all this other stuff. I think, self-storage is going to be in a weakening position. Now, 
it's a strong asset class, in my opinion, for the next few years, for the next five years, for the maybe probably even the next 10 years. But as we go, I can see that being a weakening asset class. So that one's a, I would say buy now, uh, but maybe not for the super long term. Like if, if my business plan would be a five-year business plan, wouldn't be a 20-year business plan on self-storage. Yep. Buy now, upgrade it, and sell it to a REIT. That personally would, uh, in my opinion, is a great strategy. I think there's going to be a lot of demand for it still. I think it's probably going to increase, but then I think we're going to see this slow kind of, kind of this, uh, ex, not exodus, but just slowly exiting as, as baby boomers, you know, pass away and no longer need that storage space. And kids go, we got to get rid of this stuff. So um, and a dump might be a great place to, invest in because they're going to need to put that <laughs> stuff in the dump. <laughs> uh, and then that leaves us with multifamily. And, and I think multifamily is an extremely strong asset class. Obviously I'm biased. I do think there's some issues uh, with multifamily. Um, I think short term, we've got some question marks, right? We've got people that are out of work. So people out of work means they can't pay us means we've got low economic occupancy means harder to pay your bills, right? Less cash flow. I think overall, long-term though, we've got, we've got a shortage of housing. Um, you know, we've, we have just a, I think a trend that's going to be long lasting of staying in multifamily. I do think we're going to see that trend maybe um, uptick back to single family, but I don't think, I, I personally, I can't see it like flipping completely. And even if it did, we still have a low inventory. Like, so we still would be fine. So I think multifamily long-term really strong. Short-term, we've got question marks. We don't know where the economy is going to take us. There could be some bumps and bruises here over the next, you know, you know six months to, to even a, two years uh, until the economy can recover from this COVID. So, um, you know, multifamily, I think if you can buy something that works well, buy it. Otherwise, you know, it's a, let's just wait and see. I can see prices depressing a little bit. I can't see them crashing completely. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I don't see them crashing, but I see it as a good solid asset class. And I see suburban multifamily being the strongest out of it all. And, and you know, everything, what we've said about all these, it's all about the placement, right? You can pour a lot of money into real estate, into an asset class and fix a lot of problems, but you still, you, you can never fix the location, right? You know, the, the money doesn't fix location. So you still have to buy in a well-located place that tenants want to live in, that tenants, that's driving tenants to live there. If tenants have the option to not live in your crappy place because it's in a terrible neighborhood, and there's nothing driving them there. There's no jobs. There's no transit. There's no nothing. They don't have to put up with it, right? They're going to go somewhere where the transit is. They're going to go somewhere where the jobs are. They're going to move out. And eventually you're just going to have a poorly operating building. So you got you to gotta still buy based on location, no matter where you are. There's different things you want to look at when we're looking at locations. Um, that might be a whole nother podcast, but... Good. Yeah. So 
multifamily plan for the long term and underwrite conservatively now so you can handle any bumps and bruises along the way and survive yeah. till it goes up again. And mobile home parks, I would put in this same category as multifamily. Mobile home parks are C-class multifamily, essentially. Um, and you're going to get, and there's some A-class mobile home parks, by the way. But for the most part, uh, mobile home parks are, you know, C-class, uh, sometimes B-class, uh, and sometimes A-class. But, um, you know, they're going to perform, in my opinion, pretty similarly uh, to... Uh, multi-family to single family. Uh, I think they're going to be, you know, some bumps and bruises, and, but overall in the long term, they're going to be just fine. Good. So, yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. Any other opinions, Matt, that I maybe missed? Uh, no, I think uh, just, I mean, regardless of what kind of real estate you're doing, uh, you know, get some expertise in it, educate yourself, underwrite conservatively. Uh, so, yeah, you really got to focus on what you're good at, right? I mean, like I said, just just because we might see some amazing prices in retail, like, okay, but do you even know what makes a good deal? Like, just because that building is selling for a million dollars and it sold for five million, you know, three years ago, is it a good deal? Or is it going to take all your money and flush it down the toilet? You know, like you have to understand the asset class. You have to understand how to make money. And it's not big and scary. Like it's easy to learn. You just have to understand it or partner with people that are experts in it. You know, align yourself with people that are already experts in it. But just because it's a great price doesn't mean it's a great deal. You've got to understand that the asset class. A lot of people get stuck in that. But a lot of people lose money in that. You go, oh my gosh, how did they, they bought this thing for a million dollars? How are they losing that? Well, it's because they had no clue what they were doing, right? And, and that's how they're losing it. And, and then you go in and you buy it for 500K. Yep. So. All right, well, that's it for today then. Cool. All right, Matt. Well, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day a Saturday. Yep, me too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.